0: Well, I'm Caleb. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here, if we haven't met, and uh, welcome and good morning. Uh, I want to let you know that I have a a weakness. I have a weakness to... I I downplay things sometimes a little bit too much, either because I don't want to sound like I'm complaining or because I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, Uh, but I know that that can be a weakness, and so I just want to brag on our church for a minute... Uh, because I, want, I, I wonder if you fully realize kind of what it is that you're a part of, that we get to be a part of together in this time and in this place and in this season. That God is doing something very unique here in our church and in this community, and I just don't want us to miss it. Because over the last three years, uh, he, the, the number of lives that have been changed is astounding and, and mind boggling. It's representative of the growth of our church, which has gone from like 150 to 1,000 in three years. You know how many churches in Orange County have grown like that? This one. (laughs) Uh, And and, and across the country, it's not that many either. We're seeing something that's really unique. And you know what else is unique? The number of people that show up on a Sunday and then join Rooted the next week it's unbelievable that people would take that kind of a risk, that kind of a step, uh, or that they show up on a Sunday and they start serving the next week. Happens all the time. And then when you look at the landscape of our church and you see uh, just like hundreds of new young adults, 20-somethings, young families that have shown up in the last year, but then also we've increased in people in their middle age and then the people that are even more mature than that just keep on coming too. That Like the intergenerational uh, gathering here is remarkable and so unusual. We just you just don't see that very often, uh, and to be a part of it and just to kind of have the sense, the feel that God is doing something special. It's just here, and I don't want you to miss it because because we you know you just kind of show up and you do the thing, but but it's not a normal thing that we're experiencing and that we're a part of, at least in terms of uh, the country, how I've grown up, the churches that I've been to and things like that. It's just, it just feels special. And what else is special is that, uh, you know, in this densely packed beach community, uh, it's really hard to get any space. And there's only been one church in the last 40 years that's found some space to call their own, and that's a- across the street on Gotha, that's Seabreeze Church. Uh, it's really difficult and yet just in this past year God has seen to it that the city would change the zoning of the second busiest intersection in Orange County at Warner and Beach so that we can move in and take over that theater. That's a big deal. That's not normal stuff. It's not normal stuff that we're seeing. And that such a new and young church like ours would enter into what we're calling our step-in campaign to raise money for that move and that we would set a goal of 1.5 million. We're already at the million mark. Uh, Most people, most of the families that are regular attenders in our church have contributed to that. Some of you are like, well, maybe I will when I tour this place. I want to tour it. I want to see it with my own eyes. Uh, and then maybe I will step in, and some of you are thinking, you know, I'm, I will, but I, my, my income is like this, and so, you know, I, don't, I never know what I'm going to make in a year. It comes in in big chunks or whatever, so I'll just give, which is all great, too. We, we do these commitments uh, simply so that we can make plans, um, but we are just so grateful for your generosity, for what God is doing here. It's special, and I just don't want you to miss that. Uh, By the way, it's Christmas. Isn't that exciting? It's Christmas time. We are 10 days away from our first Christmas Eve service. And uh, what does that mean? 12 days away from Christmas. It's coming fast and it is a good time. So Christmas Eve services, we have five of them, two on the 23rd, three on the 24th. i will talk more about that in a minute. Next week, we have kind of a unique service plan that will be awesome. You will love it and want to be here. And uh, today, I want to talk to you about two invitations. Two invitations. The first one is for you, and the second one is through you. The first one's for you, the second one's through you. We're going to be looking at some verses in uh, the Gospel of John. John 1, uh, verses 4 and 5 say this. This is a little bit of a, a recap from last week, okay? In him, talking about Jesus, was life... And that life was the light to, of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. If you're, if you have your uh, bulletins on the back as an outline and if you're playing along, these are the first two films I'm going to give you right now. Jesus is the light and life that overcomes darkness. Jesus is the light and life that overcomes darkness. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, that God showed up, put on skin, came here to this earth. And yet, there's still darkness. There's still difficulty. There's still refugee chaos. There's still political chaos. There is still terrorism issues. And even closer to home, for some of us, there's financial chaos. And there's relational struggle and hardship and there's, there's bad news medically or health wise there's difficulty and darkness still in your experience and in this world friday i uh, I flew to Phoenix in a little emergency trip because my dad called me and he told me that my grandma, his mom, had had a massive stroke and wasn't going to pull out of it. She'd had a couple of smaller ones, but this one was was going to be it and uh, and so I just Booked a ticket and flew across, and I just needed to be there because this is uh, my grandmother, who's the matriarch in my dad's side of the family. She is the one who has prayed for me uh, every day of my life, and uh, and and I just needed to be there to support my dad. I wasn't sure that she was going to be lucid or aware, even that I was there. But I, Thursday, no response. Friday. I get there, and for the past hour before I got there and for the rest of the evening, she was awake. And she could see me, and she lit up when I walked into the room, and she couldn't move her left side, but with her right hand, she reached out to hold my hand. I got to squeeze her hand and talk with her, and it was uh, very meaningful. I was very glad that I went. Um, My brother flew in from Chicago. The middle brother, the youngest brother, was already there. He brought his guitar and just played some music to her. And uh, and it was a powerful, powerful time. And it's painful. It's hard. Um, it's hard to lose someone like that who has uh, prayed over you your entire life, prays over your wife and your kids. Uh, and I'm I'm going to need more prayer warriors out there because I'm losing my best one. And even in the middle of it, there's light. Because I'm telling you, we're in this little doctor's, this, this uh, hospital room at the Mayo Clinic in North Scottsdale, and, uh, and we're sad, and it's hard, And but my brother gets his guitar, and we're playing and singing, and we're laughing, and we're remembering times. And I'm not kidding you, the nurses, like, they just made up excuses to come by. Uh, <laughs> they, they just kept popping in and offering water and just wanting to be there because there was a light emanating from that room. There was something different, something special, uh, and they just kept on coming, even if they weren't the nurse responsible. They just wanted to come by and introduce themselves and be around, and there was a family relationship dynamic that's been kind of strained, and and that got some health toward restoration in that hospital room, uh, and it was... Beautiful to see that even in the middle of pain and what will be darkness and death, that light wins. That the darkness does not overcome the light. It never has and it won't. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas because Christmas is about what happened, not what's happening. What's happening, there's difficulty. What's happening, there's pain. There's ups and downs. There's hardship, there's loss, but we celebrate what happened, which gives us the joy regardless of what's going on and what's happening right now. We celebrate that what happened was Jesus came as a man, put on skin, and showed up as a human to say, hey, this is what God's really like. God is love. And I'm here to restore a loving relationship with you. Forgiveness, new life, new hope. That's why I'm here. And that's the good news. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Now, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, there's four books of the Bible that are called the Gospels. They were written by four different people. Uh, The fourth one is called John because it was written by John. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the first three. These are more similar. John's is, is different from the first three. John actually wrote his years and years later. He was an old man, and he lived longer than all his contemporaries, all the other disciples, all his friends. He outlived them, and he died an old man on an island. And He wrote this, uh, this gospel at that time after having lived through not only his Lord and Savior and closest friend Jesus being brutally killed on a cross, but then in the decades that followed that, all his friends were killed. His closest friends, the, the Peters and the Pauls and the, the Marks, all, all these other guys were, were killed for their faith in Jesus. And, and he lived, but he saw all of that happen. And the emperor like Nero, who's just wiping out Christians left and right or, or expelling them or pulling them into slavery, just... The brutal chaos, crosses just lining the street with Christians hanging on them. John lived through all of that and yet never lost hope, never lost faith, and talks all through his gospel about the light of the world, the hope of the world, this Jesus of miracles, the fact that he wins, that light wins over darkness. This is the same John who when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he looked down and he said, John, my guy, I need you to look after my mom when I'm gone. And John took that seriously. And we understand that John uh, cared for Mary, Jesus' mom, the rest of her life. Can you imagine the stories that he heard? The, The recount of her birth story, of what it was like raising this This Jesus child, he got to hear all those stories probably too much as he cared for her in her last days. That's that's the guy who writes this gospel. I want to read you a few more verses from his gospel. But first, let me tell you this. This is the first invitation I want you to look for in these verses. This is the first invitation this morning. Invitation number one, be God's child this Christmas. Be God's child this Christmas. Let me show you where that comes from. Starting in verse 9. The true light, Jesus, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He came as a child, just like us in human skin, to communicate to us that we too are God's children. He says, you too are a child of God. Did you know that? Now, beyond just knowing that in your head, do you really know that? Do you experience that? Do you let that reality move from your head to your heart, that you are a child of God? There's a difference between knowing up here and embracing that childlike faith in your heart and in your soul. Religion is about settling into your ways of doing life and religiousness, right? Faith is about being a child, being God's child, Trusting Him on the adventure of your life. But the first invitation for you and for me this morning is to be a child. Be God's child this Christmas. How much, those of you who have parents or are parents, it's the greatest thing to give a gift to your kid and to see them do that. There's nothing better. We love to give good gifts. How much more so? the God of the universe, the father of fathers, we get that from him. He loves to give good gifts to his children. You are his child. It's the way he's wired this universe. It's who he's designed you to be. And he wants you to live in it and to enjoy it and not to take yourself so dang seriously all the time. And to just appreciate the fact that Jesus knew something about what he was talking when he said, let the little little children come to me for theirs is the kingdom. You can't inherit this kingdom unless you become like a little child. There's something about childlike faith that is key. And how much easier, how much better than at Christmas? Embrace that you are God's child at Christmas. If you have difficulty uh, really getting this, Spend some time with kids. Stop trying to make them grow up so fast, and you let them teach you about being a kid, and trusting God, and celebrating the little things, and getting excited about silly little things. You know, when uh, when Jack is almost three, and we have this little thing uh, because we've got this big. Uh, fake Christmas tree in the house that, you know, comes with the lights already on it and takes up way too much space in the garage. And, and then you set it up. And so he's just pumped. Like the lights were on. He just, wow, this is amazing. So he just calls that Christmas. And so in the morning, he's like, dad, turn on Christmas. and I'm like, oh, okay, let's do this. And I'll, and I'll tell you, Jack, this is how we turn on Christmas. He doesn't know that it's plugged into the wall and that there's one of those little foot button things that I just click and the lights go on. So I say, here's what we do. We go one, two three Christmas and that's how it comes on and so he practices he's like okay one two three Christmas and I hit the button and it goes on he goes (laughs) like that kid in the in the Volkswagen commercial you know he's like did I just do yeah and he just gets so excited you might be in therapy later, but for, for now, it's, it's the magic of Christmas that's happening. <laughs> Recognize that even if the events and circumstances of your life are not what you wish that they were, that at Christmas, we don't celebrate what's happening now. We celebrate what happened. And what happened, if you trust that with a childlike joy, changes everything. And regardless of what you're going through, you can experience joy and peace from the Prince of Peace, who is what Christmas is all about. Don't miss it this Christmas. The first invitation is to be God's child this Christmas. The second invitation is to be an inviter this Christmas. Be an inviter. This is the invitation that comes through you. I threw in January too because it's New Year's and people are making New Year's resolutions and they'll be so much more inclined to come with you to church if you invite them at Christmas and in January you'd be surprised. You'll be like kind of getting up your nerve and telling someone, we pray for me. I'm going to talk to my neighbor and invite him to church. And then you'll start into it and hand them some cookies and be sweating a little bit under your arms. And then you'll say, hey, uh, do you have some place where you're going uh, for Christmas Eve? And they'll say no. And then you'll say, uh, well, would you like to come to my church? And before you even get it out of your mouth, they're like, sure, what time? And you're like, uh, what? Um, I have a list here of four reasons why my church isn't weird that I was going to tell you. Uh, do you want to? You want to hear those first? People want to go to church with you at Christmas. They want to. It's kind of the the thing that people do at this time of year, and. We love that because it just might be the time when they intersect with their creator and designer who gave them life and wants to give them more purpose and meaning and peace in their life now. And your invitation could be the one that changes the trajectory of someone's eternal destiny. Your invitation could be the one that changes the course of someone's life. Because we all know what it is to be invited. We were invited at some point, You were invited into all the significant things that have happened in your life, whether you've been married, that was an invitation, whether it was on that first date, that was an invitation, Uh, whether it was to church or to some event where you met God for the first time, it's an invitation. Invitations have power and are significant, and they come through people like you. And you don't know what hangs in the balance of one simple invitation to someone that you know and that you care about. Remember, What we read, John 1, 4, says this, in him, talking about Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. That life was the light of all mankind. Not just the people who aren't on the naughty list. All mankind. When you're trying to decide if I should invite this person or not, or they've not been nice to me, or they... You know, burn the bridge with that person so I can't. All mankind. Remember those words. He brings light and life to all mankind. I grew up going to church every single Sunday. It was a thing that we did. My grandfather uh, was a uh, pastor for 50 years, uh, over 50 years. And so uh, my dad. Grew up, you know, going to church every week, and then we went to church every week. The church that we went to when I was a kid uh, was kind of weird, and uh, I didn't love it. And I tried to take some friends to it, and they definitely did not love it. <laughs> and uh, and I remember taking three, at least three friends, and not one of them would come back. And they all had different excuses and reasons, but but one of them was finally honest with me and just said, "Your church is weird, and I don't feel comfortable." <laughs> there. And uh, as I got older, I began to understand, oh yeah, this is kind of weird if you didn't grow up in it. Uh, I didn't know that this was insider language, but apparently it is, and none of my friends understand it. And so I stopped inviting them to this church. Instead, my dad worked for an organization called Young Life, which kind of throws parties and has clubs for junior high and high school kids. And so I started inviting my friends there. And I do not exaggerate when I tell you that 40 to 50 of my friends from high school uh, made decisions to follow Jesus With their life, five of them either are pastors now or went on staff with Young Life as a result of lots of things. But part of it, one of the pieces of that was an invitation to bring them. But it was to Young Life Club because I didn't trust this church. They didn't want to go to this church. And I decided when I graduated from high school and there was no more Young Life, I decided that I always, for the rest of my life, needed to go to a church where I could invite my friends. Because what else do you do? I mean, it's not just for me. So I needed to be at a place, at a church, where I could invite my friends, that they could be a part of whatever I was a part of, that they would feel welcomed. Because I believe what Jesus says in Luke 19.10, read this with me, for the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save those who are lost. If you gave Jesus, if, if he had a mission statement, it's these words, to seek and save those who are lost. It wasn't a mission statement just for then. It's still his ongoing mission statement in the world happening through us. It's still what he's doing. And so it's what our church will be about because all of us have been lost. All of us know what that is. And all of us now participate with him in welcoming back these people who have been lost and just simply not known that the good news was for them too. We're not talking about bringing people here and doing some kind of like conversion like it's a business transaction or teaching them a secret handshake or a bunch of hoops they got to jump through to follow God. We're We're talking about helping people see that the good news is really good and it's really for them too, that we're all the same. None of us are better or worse than others. It's just a matter of if we if we have received if we know this good news, yet. It's not just for you and me; it's for all mankind. So we will continue to be a church that opens the doors wide and says, "We will make this place accessible." When uh, they when Kenton asked me to, invited me, we'll use the invite word, invited me to come on staff at Mariners. I, just, I thought, is this a church that I could bring my friends? I said, yes, so I did it. And then when he invited me to take over the leadership of this church here in Huntington Beach, I just made the decision, is at my core, this will always be a place where I can invite my friends and where you can invite yours. And so it's not really until you invite People, that you can see through their eyes and you begin to understand why we do the things that we do. Because it's once you invite someone and you're standing there shoulder to shoulder in the th- thing and you're like, oh gosh, okay, Caleb, don't do anything weird. Because uh, uh, we've all been in places that are just weird and you're like, I am not bringing anyone back there. And so we are intentional about eliminating all those things so that people can feel welcomed here. Because I believe what James says when he stands up in a gathering of early leaders in the church and they're debating on whether or not people have to be Jewish before they can be Christians and they have to go through these ritual kind of circumstances and uh, circumcisions, to be honest, and that's what they they were talking about. And James stands up in the middle of it and he says, It's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. It's my judgment, he says, that we should not make it difficult for outsiders who are trying to come to God. And so we embrace that same philosophy. We will not make it difficult. We will take away the barriers. We won't use insider language. We won't talk in religious jargon. We won't create these hoops And barriers to entry, because we're all the same in the beginning, in the first place. And we want everyone to have access to their creator, God. And so that's who we are. That's who we will continue to be. And that's why I can confidently encourage you to invite someone. Because that invitation, you just don't know what hangs in the balance. It could change the trajectory of their life. And you won't fully appreciate what's happening here and what God can do until you see it through the eyes of someone who's just realizing for the first time that the good news is actually good and it's for them too. So here are a couple of tips that you can consider as you're inviting people. The first is just... To understand, like, don't be discouraged if you invite someone and they say no. It usually takes like se- seven to ten invitations for somebody to come. It's less than that at Christmas time. But someone that's maybe said no to you before, not been interested, Christmas time, they're gonna more likely be willing to say yes. But don't be discouraged. The second thing is this listen for things that people, your friends, your coworkers are saying. They'll say something, one of these three things. Either, I'm starting blank. I'm starting a new job. I'm starting a new school. I'm starting in this new town. I'm starting whatever. When people are starting, that means they're in transition. And when you're in transition, you're more open. You're learning things. You're more open to, you don't necessarily think that you've got all the answers. And so if you hear someone say, I'm starting this, it's a good time to invite them. If you hear someone say, I'm struggling with Blank, when, when, people are, when people are struggling, they're more open to ideas. And so you want to invite someone that's, that's not so like just self-focused, but they're kind of open because they're going through a hard time. And then the last thing is I'm scared. Those are the three kind of life circumstances and, and that people go through, and they're most receptive to wanting to open their eyes, their hearts, to something bigger than themselves. And you can introduce them to the God who created them. Um, you might think that it's, that it's easier for me. Uh, it's, it's not actually easier for me because I'm the guy who gets on stage. And so it's like, hi, would you come? And yeah, and I'm the, yeah, so never mind. You know, there's been like, I've had a hard time with that in the past. But then I just decided it's ridiculous. I'll give you an example. I was working out at the gym and I was talking to one of the guys who works there. And I'm, I get him talking. We're, we're connecting, having a great time. He's a really good guy. But through the conversation, he's you know he's real loose with his language, and so he's dropping f bombs like they're candy. And, and which I don't care, but I know what happens because what's coming next is he's going to ask me where I work, and, <laughs> and and then I don't care, but he's going to care, and he's going to get all weird and either stop talking or start talking fake. And and so he asks me what I do, and I say, well, I'm a speaker. Cause I'm trying to keep him comfortable but then we keep talking about it and I keep oh, I, well I you know I, I speak regularly at this one place uh, um, it's, uh, it's a it's a it's a church I speak regularly at a church and I help lead it uh, so he goes, so you're a pastor I'm like yes I'm a pastor I'm a pastor I'm a pastor, uh, I'm a pastor. Uh, and he doesn't care he grew up he went to a Catholic high school he, he's he's not afraid so it's it's all in our minds it's just dumb Uh, People want to come with you to church, especially at Christmas Eve. Be an inviter, and then remember to be God's child this Christmas. Be God's child. It's who you are, and he is your heavenly father. Will you stand with me as we respond? God, we thank you that you came here, that you came here. God, you became a person and walked among us You became like a little child to show us that we are your child. Help us to embrace that this morning.